0: Welcome to the MMA Curmudgeons. I am Amazing. co-host Jonathan Snowden, joined as always by Ryan Loco from ryanloco.com. And Ryan, we have brought the MMA Curmudgeons back together uh, for the first time in more than a month to celebrate the greatest combat sports event of all time. that happened on Saturday night at the T-Mobile Arena in your hometown, or, or your current uh, residence, uh, yes. Las Vegas, Nevada. I have many T-Mobile hometowns, Arena. where many hats. And... Uh, Mr. Conor McGregor performed in a boxing match against Floyd Mayweather. And I'm not sure our listeners were aware of this, but this actually happened.
1: Uh, it was the fight of the century, fight of the decade. It was definitely the fight of this uh, century from 2000 on, I would say, as far as buildup and, and everything uh, uh, going for it. And uh, I don't think it disappointed at all. I think it lived up to the expectation. It gave everyone a little piece of their own pie so they could go back to the corner and kind of marinate on it and enjoy it and be happy. And uh, we were there, man. We were there. Yes.
0: Ryan and I were both in attendance at at this event. But, you know, I I have not actually seen or talked to you since, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, it was – one of the undercard fights i went up and, and said hello and uh, we have not seen each other since so um we have not talked at all about the the, the actual super fight and, and i'm kind of curious to to hear what you thought about it what, what did you think
1: you know, I went back and I rewatched it because I had, uh, I, I was watching it through basically a, a camera. I was looking at it through the viewfinder. I was taking photos for T Mobile Arena. Um, obviously, I was feeding off the energy from the crowd, and you can still enjoy the fight, but you're not as engaged as if you're actually sitting there and soaking in everything. Because I'm sitting there trying to get shots, trying to frame, trying to follow the guys as they move, et cetera, et cetera. I went back and I watched it again uh, with the television feed. Uh, I spoke to my wife, she ordered it on pay per view with a friend and she watched it and she was telling me how she thought the pay-per-view came off, um, because she's, uh, done Muay Thai. She's trained for a long time when she lived in Australia on TV. I think Connor is made to look a lot better than what I felt I saw in person and what my wife saw, uh, as someone who's trained before, To to someone who just tuned in to watch the fight and maybe didn't really understand it, or maybe it just, uh, you know, uh, they're just tuning in because it's the fight of the century. They want to say they saw it. Uh, The crowd was obviously very pro Connor and they cheered everything that he did. I felt like the announcing was sort of Connor heavy. And I think that was justifiable in the sense because, you know, this is Connor's first ever boxing match, uh, professional boxing match. And and I think they were all marveling at what they saw. Uh, What I saw. Was Floyd for the first three rounds, basically just sort of exist in the ring and, and allow Connor to do what he wanted to do He wanted to see obviously how how fast Connor was, he wanted to feel uh, connor 's punches, and then after that round around the fourth and the fifth round, you saw Floyd start to realize everything, realize that what Connor was doing wasn 't really uh going to hurt him in any way. My favorite round uh so my favorite round was the sixth round because I felt that 's when you saw Floyd get on the aggressive and, and, and basically say, welcome to boxing, Connor. Uh, welcome to my world. Welcome to why I'm 49 and 0. Welcome to why I'm going to make a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, and from then on, it was just the Floyd show. Um, Connor on my second viewing did a lot of things that I didn't catch the first time. His, his movement was well, he, he switched stances a couple times, which I really liked his, uh, his uppercuts was, were really good. Um, uh, but what I was more surprised on, and I'm, I'm sure you'll touch on this too, is I don't remember seeing Conor uh, put anything behind a single punch. Like there didn't really seem at any point that there was any moment where Connor could actually settle and put some power behind a punch. It felt like a lot of it were push punches. They were they were coming very short. Those jabs were just little flicks. Um, I don't know if the if the whole i if he got tired if the boxing stance and, and what Floyd was doing threw him off if he just did you, do you see what I'm saying did you see any anything like that
0: yeah it was it was kind of a weird fight and I think that there's a lot of stuff going on like it's kind of like uh, uh, like the movie Batman versus Superman I don't know if you've seen this this motion picture film but. Um, I saw it on HBO after having heard it was like the worst movie of all time. And so then the fact that it was only like kind of bad, like made it seem like a victory for me. Like, oh, this movie is not nearly as bad as they said it was because it wasn't the worst movie of all time. And so that was kind of the expectation for Conor McGregor going into the fight, which was that he was just going to be abysmal, god-awful, right? Like Max Kellerman from HBO said uh, famously that he wasn't going to land a single punch. And so... Just the fact that he looked like a competent boxer was was a victory for him. So, like, everything that he did... I think was graded on a, a significant curve. Like if that was uh, you know, any other professional fighter, no one would be saying, hey, he had a great performance against Floyd. Uh, they would be saying like, wow, Floyd really walked him down and, and stopped him. Like, it, you know, the different expectations. And, and I think it's probably fair that there were different expectations because like you said, uh, this was his first professional boxing match. And, and with that in mind, uh, I think he acquitted himself really well. So it's like uh, in my article on Bleacher Report after the, after the fight, uh, I I made the claim that everyone was a winner from from the promoters to the network uh, to both fighters. Everybody came out of this uh, looking good. Like if you were booking this as a as a piece of fiction, uh, it really couldn't get much better than this because Connor looked uh, looked uh, brave and, and he looked reasonably competent. Uh, The promoters made a lot of money, and Floyd Mayweather, for the first time in probably 15 years, was was the aggressor in a fight, and and he did exactly what he said he was going to do, which is... uh he came out aggressively and looked to stop the fight, which is not his normal style. So, uh, he, he told the truth in his pre-fight interviews, which is kind of rare in, in combat sports. So all that combined, I think is, is why, uh, people have, uh, like a positive feeling about the whole experience. At least I did when it was over. And, and I was kind of surprised because the, 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 prevailing opinion on media row before the fight was that it was a terrible spectacle. And, um, afterwards, I think kind of like the consensus was like that. That was actually not that bad. So uh, it's it, it was something, you know, it, it was a
1: moment, and and I'm really glad I was there. I don't know about you. I'm so excited and glad that that I was there. Uh, I felt like it was an extremely enjoyable event. I felt like I didn't I, I didn't feel like they cheated us. I think a lot of people felt like this is a cash grab. Who cares? And I feel like if you watched it, you were like you know what, I didn't mind paying for it because it felt like a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing. You really felt that energy of, wow, this is something special because this guy, Connor is not supposed to be in there. And right. there he is. He he. It didn't matter if he talked his way into it or not. There's a lot of people who talk. But he somehow worked his way into a boxing match on a $110 HD pay-per-view with Floyd Mayweather. So no matter what, you can throw everything else out the window. That's incredible. What and, I... and you know
0: and you know what? He looked pretty decent. Like so I watched all of his mixed martial arts fights uh, before the bout just to kind of get an idea of what he what he might do. And and you could see, like I didn't think you could make that much improvement in eight weeks in a, in a typical training camp, but he he had really improved a lot in, in some of the most basic areas of, of boxing, like if you watch his MMA fights, he shows almost no jab at all, and um, in, in this boxing match, he's landing a jab uh, fairly routinely against Floyd Mayweather Jr., who's a who's a pretty darn good fighter. Uh, you may not have heard of him, but he's a good defensive fighter and and McGregor's landing his jab on him and, and he's throwing like he's mod modified his left hand, so it's not just the straight left that he typically throws in MMA. He, he uh, was looping it around. Uh, when Floyd fights a, a southpaw, a left-handed fighter, he holds his hands up a lot in a high guard. And, and McGregor was, instead of throwing a straight left hand, he was kind of looping it around and, and hitting Floyd occasionally with it. Um, uh, something I'd seen him do against Dustin Poirier in an MMA fight, but not, not his typical style. So um, McGregor was fairly adaptable as, as a boxer and uh, the 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 whole thing was just so weird because the idea was that Floyd was the boxer and Connor had the the puncher's chance and instead what we saw for most of the the, the end of the fight at least like from the 6th round on as you say um, Floyd was just pure, in pure slugger mode looking like Joe Frazier throwing these crazy leaping le- left hooks and these lead right hands that he was literally leaving his feet to throw like so Floyd was the puncher and Connor was on on his back foot throwing jabs and and in uh, trying to be a traditional boxer, and it was the exact opposite of what probably everyone in the world expected to see, and that just made it so fascinating to me. Uh, especially, I just re-watched, rewatched it tonight for the first time on on television, and it, it
1: does like it, it's kind of remarkable the the way it transpired. You know what what I feel is a little bit confusing is that a lot of people after the fight, I read and, and I saw them say that Conor. Made Floyd fight a different fight, but they say it in a way that like as if Connor had Floyd nervous or if connor was w- was influencing in that way whereas I saw it as Floyd realized this guy is not going to hurt me, I have nothing to fear, so I can literally chase him around the ring with my hands down because as you said, there's times and i 'm rewatching it again where Floyd's throwing punches with his hands. And he comes in and he keeps coming forward, and his head's right there. But he has no fear whatsoever of what's going to happen. So I, I'm not trying to bash Connor. And I feel like if you're praising Floyd, people take that as if you're bashing Connor. I'm not. But Connor didn't make Floyd fight a different style because he was afraid. Floyd fought a different style because it was, e- it was just there and it was easier for him.
0: I think that's exactly right. Not just easier. It's like, it's what he wanted to do. And then he realized that he could like, he, he could throw caution to the wind because he was fairly confident that that he wasn't going to be hurt. And especially, but towards the end of the fight, like, you know, he, he could be entirely reckless, like reckless in a way you never see professional boxers be reckless, um, at at that level, just because, uh, he knew that McGregor was, was so tired and, and so kind of bad off of his back foot um, as far as like sitting down on his punches and making them count. Like you were saying before, like he didn't have pop when when he was in boxing mode uh, when he wasn't moving forward, he has no pop on that left hand. And so it was, um, it, it made it fairly easy work for Floyd. But, you know, I think people are like, so they want so badly to take a side in this, in this debate that it's either like Floyd did well or Connor did well. And I think that like you can have both positions can be true that both Connor was better than expected and should be proud of his effort. And, uh, Floyd was a master of craft and, and was much better than Connor. Like both those things can be true without diminishing either guy, which I think is, is what's great about it is that both can be proud and, and both did what they were supposed to do. So, um, uh just a, if you were allowed to clap on, on press row, I, I would have given him a huge round of applause.
1: Oh, man. Absolutely. I mean, we were all sitting up there shooting and all the other photographers. We were one after the first couple of rounds. We we're like, oh, you know what? Good for Connor. That's great. You know, and then as it started to go on, we we're like, oh, OK, we saw what Floyd was doing. We get it. And then at the end, we all kind of looked at each other and said, you know what? That was a lot of fun. That was great. I, I have nothing bad to say about it and nothing bad. To say about the the idea of putting those two together, because I think it delivered. Um, I, I was really surprised at you if you watched like a, if you watched when Conor hit at Eddie Alvarez, if you watched when Conor did that to Poirier, he you know he keeps his right hand out, he does like a couple soft jabs just to get the distance, and he throws a real heavy left hand. Uh, obviously, caught both of those guys. I was really surprised that we never really saw that. Because he was getting the distance with Floyd. He would throw these little like, flick jabs at Floyd and, and catch him in the face. But he, I'm trying to figure out exactly why Connor felt he couldn't sit down and throw that hard left. Even just one time to make Floyd kind of like be hesitant for one second. Like, oh, this kind of hurts. I, I, I don't recall one single punch, even the uppercuts that he landed, where you felt as if Floyd got nervous from, from Connor's power. No, it was, uh, it was
0: just the opposite. So like the, the few times that, uh, when, when he was able to rush Floyd into the ropes or, uh, one time, at least I, I remember Floyd put himself in the ropes. Um, Connor was able to, to sit back on a, on a left hand and really throw it hard. And, uh, what, what's kind of funny is, uh, you could, you could see that Floyd was smiling and he might've even laughed at one point. And so it was kind of, uh, I, he was ready for that punch. Like you were going to have to do something pretty tricky, uh, to, to sneak that one in and you weren't going to land a straight left hand against Floyd Mayweather. Uh, not the way that Connor normally does, because obviously he was well aware that that was the weapon and, and he was going to do everything he could to, to mitigate any kind of risk that, that came off that left hand. So, um, Connor had to find something else and, and he, he did like remarkably, like he, he hit a, a really, really good um, counter left uppercut. In, in one of the early rounds that, that uh, knocked Floyd Mayweather's head back. And uh, that's not something that you see even like uh, other professional boxers at the highest level. There's, there have been guys that Floyd has fought in a professional bout for a championship in his prime uh, who, who never hit him like that. And, um, so yeah, it
1: it was, Connor has a, a lot to, to be proud of. A couple of things that I noticed, um, one was every time Floyd came to the corner, it, it felt very businesslike. He felt, I, I, I don't know if I'd ever seen him look so comfortable and then he would sit down and he would stare straight over at, at Connor's corner. And I don't know if it was an intimidation or if he wanted to see just how Connor was looking to see how he was reacting, because I know Connor has been in some gigantic fights, but this was qu- quite the stage. I mean, I, Floyd, like was refusing water. he was smiling to the camera. Like, it, it really felt like Floyd was having a lot of fun. and And I don't know if we'd ever seen Floyd have that much fun boxing, you know, <laughs> not, not
0: in some time. And so uh, I, I thought it, it was pretty cool. And I think what they were looking for was uh, to see how uh, tired uh connor was because uh, you know he articulated later after the fight that um that their game plan was to to wear him out and then try to knock him out and uh, you know a lot of people are like oh no he's just trying to take away credit from connor but I, I think it's pretty clear when you when you watch the fight even the first time but if you go back and watch it a second time you'll see that uh, i think that he was uh pretty clearly trying to, to carry him along a little bit. He
1: threw uh, get six him tired. punches in the first round. <laughs> six. Right. And right. I think like five of them were accidental. Like he just put his arm out. Like he just, he didn't mean <laughs> to throw it. Like he, he threw six punches in the first round. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that first big uppercut, the counter that, that Connor threw was in the first round. And, it almost was Connor's downfall, as weird as that sounds, because I feel like Floyd felt Connor's uppercut in the first round when Connor's fresh and went. That's it. That's yeah, all? that's all you got. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it was. Yeah, uh, it, 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 Floyd was having a lot of fun because you know I, I you were watching. I think the the Moro Rinaldo, Paulie Malinagi, uh, Al Bernstein uh, Showtime yes. coverage. Uh, I have a video from the international feed, and it's. Uh, uh, Brian, Brian Kelly and, uh, and a uh, sugar Ray Leonard. And uh, at one point, uh, Floyd, uh, is getting that like Connor is trying to come on strong uh, against Floyd. And, and he looks at, at Ray Leonard and apparently winks at him. And so like, uh, yeah, he, he was enjoying himself and, and why not? You know, it's uh, his 50th victory in the end of a hall of fame career, uh, in a bout, we're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. There, there's a lot to smile about.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd, Speaking of the commentary, like uh, as my wife was watching on on pay per view, she was with a friend who, you know, follows fighting, but isn't that into it. And she's like, oh my God, Connor's landing all this stuff. My wife's like, no, no, he's not. But the crowd (laughs) and the commentary, you know, made it seem, you know, and obviously in the heat of the moment, things are happening so fast in these big gloves, you just see things flying. So I get it. But I feel like that greatly swayed people in, in, in watching, going, oh man, Connor put it on him. And like when you go and slow, do it in slow mo, or if you're really paying attention, or turn the commentary off, you start to see like, oh, you know what? A lot of those were misses. Like they were really close, but that's what Floyd's good at—making you think you hit him, uh, and it really wasn't as close as as a lot of people wanted it to be. And um, another thing that that caught my eye watching it and getting to see it on TV with the mics and everything was. How Connor's corner started to realize, that, you know, that, that the moment was passing, and you know, Connor kind of came out every round after like the fourth or the fifth with like the twenty, to thirty-second burst at the beginning, and, and his corner was telling him like throw one or two and then clinch, you know, and and they they really wanted Connor to work in the clinch and really force Floyd on his back foot and put all the weight back there because they were trying to tire Floyd out, you know, because Connor had a good thirty pounds on him and. And what, what I was really impressed was with the uh, ninth and the tenth round, Floyd realized what Connor was trying to do, and he, he would stick his right forearm up and get in <laughs> Connor's face just to get enough separation that Connor couldn't get a hold, and then he could separate and, and throw more punches. I, I was really impressed w- with what Floyd did in the ninth and the tenth
0: yeah and and just like uh generally uh floyd may i we talked about this when i went to albuquerque new mexico to talk to the team at jackson Winklejohns johns about this fight because there was kind of like the idea that because connor is an mma fighter and they're used to grappling that he was going to win in the in the clinch and we watched floyd in the clinch with a lot of really good fighters and um he was uh he he wins almost every time and and his framing is what they call it is is so good and and he puts that forearm up and, and right into your face and sometimes it's less a forearm and more like an elbow and but what it does is like it keeps Connor from throwing his power hand at all because you know it's it's kind of uh, squared off away from everything and so it's really effective not only is it annoying and it keeps Connor from leaning on him and maybe he throws an elbow too but also Connor can't throw his left hand from that position and so it's all really effective and i thought that um that Floyd for the most part won the, the clinch game uh, the most effective things that Connor did in tight were like weird things, like he would spin to take his back over and over again, which like would have been cool if it was a cage fight. Um, maybe something interesting would have happened, but it was a boxing match, so it seemed like he was wasting a lot of energy to to spin around to his back for for no reason at all. But so
1: yeah, you know, there real, was a lot... real quick to, to touch on that, what was very odd. And I don't know if they did it in the international commentary, but for the U.S. commentary. Uh Morrow and Al kept yelling for Floyd like you can't turn why is Floyd turning his back and polly's like he's not connor's <laughs> connor's coming around connor's grabbing him they They really made it seem as if Floyd was just cowering when he really wasn't like Connor kept doing that move to the side and then he kind of h- hook over with his right arm uh, around Floyd's Floyd's waist or his right uh, Floyd's right arm and then kind of pepper him with those little shots. And they were basically, you know, uh, back to chest. Right. Yeah, totally. And, uh, so the other little thing I noticed
0: was from Connor McGregor and it was a really, really smart. And so, um, when, when you watch a lot of Floyd Mayweather jr you realize that like uh, a lot of times the you know when there's a clinch or something like that and the referee breaks them he he likes to come off of that and, and throw a punch um, he does it all the time and uh, McGregor must have been really schooled on it because in every situation like that McGregor always threw one time he threw even a left hand even when the referee was still between them like he had been he had been uh, schooled and taught like, do not let Floyd come first after a break because he's going to try. And so, like, um, there was a lot of thought that went into what
1: both men did, and and, and I like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I noticed that as well. Between every break, Connor was right there in his face. He wanted, like, he was pushing ro- ro- the ref, Robert Byrd, like pushing his arm, like, let me go, let me go, I want to go. And then just like right. you said, I wanted, maybe it was the ninth round uh, <laughs> where he's separating them and, and Connor still throws a punch. <laughs> Just to like, kind of keep him honest. And, and I was actually kind of surprised, although I talked to some people in the arena and they had a theory. Um, there was a lot of illegal blows by Conor. None of them were like oh. really damaging, but there was a lot, like quite a few. And, yes. you know, the ref warned him multiple, multiple times, but never took a point. And from what I had talked to some journalists and photographers there, they, they came up with the thought that uh, maybe Floyd had told the ref, like, look, I'm going to win. Don't take a point. Don't give them any reason to think that this is being, like, pushed one way towards the boxer side as opposed to, uh, you know, being fair. So as long as it's nothing egregious, just keep warning them, but, you know, don't freak out. I I think that there may be something to that because uh... –
0: I was really happy. I, I like a, a referee with a, a loose hand and, uh, and he definitely let them fight like in the clinch, even sometimes when he probably should have jumped in um, when, when Connor had taken his back, he was still letting them fight. Uh, he let it go when Connor hit him low several times and, and, uh, Floyd was throwing his forearms and elbows up there. Let it all go. And uh, that I, I like to see that. So it worked out well. And I, I'm glad because I was really nervous from the from the very beginning when he was giving his uh, pre-fight instructions. And like uh, instead of like just standing there between both guys, he's like literally looking at Connor with like every instruction. <laughs> like, a, young man, you can't be kicking nobody when they're down. And like, you know, like it's just like it was obviously directed right at him. Well and, that was
1: um, that was the ref's moment, you know? Like normally they do that in the back and then they come out right. and like I read you the rules in the back, gentlemen. Let's have a clean fight. This is safe. This is too low and then bam. bam. But he was like, "Yo, there's going to be like a f- couple milli watching this." Like and they're all <laughs> focused on me for this moment. I'm the only one talking. Let me let me make it look like I'm the savior of boxing and I'm not going to let these MMA ruffians come into our building. Cause he was, he had had the Terminator vision on Connor. Like (laughs) they're reading the rules and he's looking right at Connor. Like, I don't need to tell Floyd. He knows this. You (laughs) didn't look at Floyd
0: once. Like every one of those things was directed at Connor. Um, So yeah, that was pretty funny, but he ended up, I think, calling it fairly straight. So I I think it it worked out just fine.
1: I think had we seen like some crazy hard rabbit punch or, 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 you know, hammer fist that like could have legitimately hurt Floyd, then I wouldn't you know, step in and take a point. But none of those were doing – it was little pepper shots. None of those were, were really hurting him. And, and I think overall it kind of – it actually kind of gave more of a feel to that fight. Like, oh, wow, Floyd's in a fight right now. You know, He's getting pushed yes. around. Something a little different. But, so so, so, my, so my question to you, okay. we had heard all week coming into this fight that Conor was going to just – MMA angles – He was gonna show Floyd things that he'd never seen before, you know. People were saying it was over in the first round. As soon as Floyd feels Connor's power, it's done. And I feel like at the end of the day, we saw a boxing match.
0: Yeah, totally a boxing match. And so, and I think most people who watch both sports Mm -hmm. um, understood that's what we were gonna see because there is, there is no magic. That comes from MMA striking. You know, there's only a limited number of ways you can uh, punch somebody with your right hand and your left hand. And it just turns out that boxers are really good at both because that's what they spend their lives doing. And so uh, Conor definitely did some some nifty things. He, he did a, some a switching of stances. Like super quick, um, too. I was very impressed with how quick. quick
1: he was at switching those stances.
0: But they weren't... Uh, particularly effective because he did them from too far on the outside so it it, it it didn't work as well as it might it worked once and then i think that the second time he tried it he got he got hit with a, yeah. a pretty hard uh, counter
1: right hand he switched and, um, stances and then threw a right hand if i'm not mistaken that first time and it was like right. oh shit okay connor's connor's been paying attention <laughs> And then after that it, it never felt like it was it was there for a purpose. It felt like it was more there for just kind of like to give Connor an extra second. You know, to make right. Floyd hesitate for a second. It never really led to anything.
0: Number one, it's like the, the the idea that shifting your stance is is some kind of disruption or unique technique from MMA that, that boxers have never seen before is obviously foolish. Um uh, a guy named uh, Bob Fitzsimmons won the World Heavyweight Championships back like 100 plus years ago with, with a shift. And uh, it's, a, it, it's something that you see a lot. And you actually see it done a lot more skillfully than, than you saw Conor do it. Um, you see Gennady Golovkin do it sometimes. And uh, Roberto Duran did it real famously. What they do is like, they, they throw a right hand, like an, an overhand right, and take a hard step with their, with their foot. And then, so that puts them then from an orthodox into a southpaw stance. And then uh, what Duran did after that was then through a southpaw uh, left hand to the body. And so that, you know, it's, it's a pretty tricky move so that both of your punches are are from the power side uh, and you're shifting in the middle of a combination. And you can also use that, that hard step that you use on that first right hand when you're switching stances. Um, it, it covers a lot of distance, which may have been what Connor was trying to do when, when he was switching with that long kind of step from the outside. He may have been trying to cover distance faster than than he normally would. But, you know, it just wasn't perfectly executed. But the idea that that's new stuff and and like that's Uber and Floyd is a taxi would, uh, was is crazy. Like, you know, all that stuff has been around um, since men started fighting each other.
1: Yeah, I, I just I said it. To a couple people, it took no guts to pick Connor. Yeah, right. And, and and people were like were like, what do you mean? I mean, and it's not a slight on Connor. Like, people who only watch boxing didn't need to watch MMA to go, Floyd's gonna win. Most people who can who've watched both go, Floyd's gonna win. So to be the guy going, Connor's gonna win. I'm picking Connor. It's not that impressive because you're 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 going on such a limb that when he doesn't win, which we all knew, you could be like, you know, I just, you know, I thought it, I really, I really hoped it was going to happen or, you know, it was worth the risk. Like, you know, you just wanted to look really smart if the unthinkable happened.
0: Right. Because no one's going to remember if you're wrong. And if you're right, then you can kind of like uh, hold on to that as your claim to fame. If you're like the kind of person who who wants to do something like that yeah, like, I, I, they, it, it thinks that matters. Like, uh, I guess it that would be big for you.
1: I think the hardest part though, is seeing multiple people. I'm not singling anyone out. I'm seeing multiple people who are picking Connor instead of going, you know, I was just, you know, I was, I was had wishful thinking, man. I wanted to see him win. It didn't happen. Floyd obviously is a better boxer. You know, who cares? Instead of just that, it turns into, yeah, but did you see what Connor did here? doesn't matter he lost. Yeah, but like did you notice how Connor in the first three again like just say you were wrong? right admit like that's
0: like part of being like a, a grown person and like I was saying on Twitter today everyone is wrong all the time. everybody. like you know 50% of fighters lose. That's just a fact. One out of every two is gonna lose. And, and so a lot of times you're going to be wrong. And so when you are wrong, you just say that you were wrong. It's not hard. You're just like, oh, man, I, I thought Connor was going to surprise him with the left hand. He did surprise him with the left hand. It, it turns out Floyd is used to taking hard punches. My bad. I was wrong. Turns out the pro right. boxer is better at boxing. I, you know, Weird. I made a mistake. Crazy. Who would have guessed? <laughs>
1: Crazy. Crazy to
0: think that, but it happened. But uh, you know, some people are not uh, even grown people; they're not fully actualized, and maybe they're not uh, not quite ready for that, that
1: that leap into adulthood. So, you get what you get. And it's too bad because it really is sorts of like it. What we instead of trying to make excuses and instead of trying to like paint this picture as to what it was and what it wasn't. At the end of the day, it was an enjoyable evening with a predictable outcome and it was like even though we knew the ending it's like if you go into a movie that you read the book right and even if you know exactly how this movie is going to end i read the book if you still leave the movie going that was a lot of fun then the director did their job the actors did their job showtime ufc connor floyd everyone did their job because you still got people Who knew how it was going to end? To tune in, to shell over money, to spend twenty-five thousand dollars to sit in seats that weren't as good as mine and yours. (laughs) And we got paid to be
0: there. Got paid money, cash money. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can't beat it. Time for
1: listener mail. You know nothing, John Snowden.
0: let's jump into some uh reader questions because we got a bunch of them all right um, let's do it and we don't like to make long
1: podcasts because one zappos frowns on it and two uh listen you don't want to hear us for over an hour
0: definitely not and also like i'm old and it's past my bedtime and i'm just i'm done so let's let's jump into these questions um so the first one is Dan from CompuBox. Actually, actually from fan. CompuBox. Yeah, actually from CompuBox. Wow. So he he's a obviously seen a lot of, of fights. Uh, he wanted to know though what the dynamic was like between the MMA media and and boxing people because it was kind of like a a, a melding of the two worlds, like when the Marvel and DC comic book universes like came together for the first time, like a mega event. It was that for journalism, except for like a lot of the big time boxing reporters didn't even bother to show up. Yeah. That's a different story. So, but you know, I'll give, what's your thoughts? I'll
1: give mine. And then you can give a much more educated take because you were around all of them. It felt like to me for the most part, MMA media was excited to be there. They were excited to be part of this gigantic event they were excited to see one of their own there and were like, hey, whatever happens, happens. Cool. We're not expecting much. But, you know, thanks for having us over. Whereas the boxing media was almost as a vendetta. Like, <laughs> you don't belong here. You should not be at our events. And you sent someone. You sent a lamb to the slaughter and we're going to show you. And it's this del- deluded thought that boxing is better than MMA. And this is going to prove it, which it didn't prove that at all. But in their minds, it validates everything.
0: Yeah, so it, it was interesting. So I, I didn't notice a lot of like infighting between these two groups, but um, you know, passive aggressive because they're journalists and that's kind of how they do things. But. Um, you know, there, you did feel the negativity from the boxing writers who were very convinced that Connor would look terrible, um, for the, the last press conference on, on Wednesday, I sat next to, to Dan Raphael from ESPN and, uh, somebody asked him, um, how long they thought the fight, he thought the fight was going to go. And he says, even even one round is one, no, the first round is one round too long. And so, uh, <laughs> he was not a big fan of the fight. Um, Afterwards, I think maybe he had a slightly different opinion, so that, that was uh, interesting. The, the other thing that I noticed talking to a lot of the MMA media, um, many of whom I haven't seen in a couple years because I haven't been going to the events... Um, you know, I, I was, so I got a chance to, to talk to a lot of them and, and people were, were really pleasantly surprised about what it's like to attend a boxing event, what it's like to, to work with boxing promoters, what it's like to work with Showtime, uh, the the number of uh, very professional PR people that are there to, to assist you in any way that you need assisted and, and make sure that you have all the, the athletes and, and people around, around the fight, uh, you're able to talk to who you need to, to do your, your stories or do your interviews or do your TV or radio shows. Like uh, everybody, I think, was, was really happy with how boxing operates
1: compared to, to say, UFC. I, I will say, uh, you know, after the weigh ins, uh, myself, you, and, and uh, Brian Oswald of Bleacher Report, uh, we went and, and Showtime showed us around their, their compound, basically, uh, of what they brought to broadcast a, an event of this size. And it's it's the day before the biggest fight for them ever. Like, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they said that they had brought more cameras than they'd ever brought for any other fight. Yeah, they had more production people ever. They had this giant, you know, village uh, of TV trucks and everything. And there's their PR guy texting like, "Yeah, let's go. You're, I'm here." Like it wasn't a right. hesitation. It wasn't like, and you know, and, and I've dealt with it on a smaller scale, but you know as well. There's a lot of times where like it's not going to happen today, guys, or I'm super busy or they just don't get back to you at all. And this is the right. guy from Showtime who's putting it on and says, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go in the trucks. Let's go get this guy for you. Let's go get this. You got everything you need? No, let's go. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. And, it was a,
0: yeah, and so, the, the, you know, the, you, we're technically not supposed to be down there. And, you know, and he's just like, no, the, these guys are with me for the rest of the afternoon. And then nobody bothered us again. And he takes us back, and we, we meet for like an hour with the executive vice president in charge of the entire setup, and the the producer, of the broadcaster of the broadcast is there, and we're seeing how everything works. And 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 we're just like one of probably a uh, hundred outlets that w- that felt just as special, uh, working with these folks. Um, I, I did have. A couple, we're, this is a long answer to a short question, but <laughs> I, I did have a couple of memorable media experiences that, that weren't with boxing people, though. Um, so after years of like a semi-feud, uh, when I went to to go sit in, in a, a bus to go to the Wynn Hotel, where Top Rank and ESPN were having a press conference on uh, the morning of the fight, uh, in the bus was uh, me and Ariel Hawani. We were the, pretty much the only two people there. Uh, a couple of people ended up getting on. So, so we probably talked for like a half hour or so. And um, it, it turns out he's a pretty nice human being. And, and I like to think I'm a pretty nice human being. And so uh, our, our beef, Ryan,
1: is officially has been squashed. My whole landscape has now been changed. I don't even know what to say to you anymore because you'd always been such a vilified person on the old internets. And now it seems as if you're getting older and mending fences and becoming a nice guy.
0: (laughs) Maybe growing up. I don't know. Uh, It it feels funny. But (laughs) with that said, I I replaced Ariel Hawani with apparently I'm now in in a new blood feud. Oh, no. Uh, And (laughs) and that is with uh, a guy that we may have been Kind of hinting at earlier, uh, his name is Robin Black, and he is a uh, an analyst uh, for Canada. I, I don't know I don't know where he works. Country, yes. He, he he works for the the nation of Canada, the nation state, and and he's like a, a former like glam rock uh, musician who had like some low level mixed martial arts fights, and is now if you ask him the the leading expert, the sole expert the only person in the world who understands fist fighting and um, and he really doesn't like me and uh, so it's it was pretty weird um so he he was the guy that had a had like endless probably 8 12 15 hours worth of um,
1: pre-event content you'll have to tell me it was a lot right it was a lot i actually watched a couple Um, I also watched the How Connor Will Win special that ESPN put on, which was the worst thing I'd ever watched in my entire life. It was a shark versus bear Discovery Channel type show, but about Connor and how he could beat Floyd Mayweather. Was he the shark or the bear? (sighs) He was whoever. If a bear invented a new way to swim, he was the bear. (laughs) If a shark invented a new way to catch salmon, then he was the shark. Um, But I just, I don't understand like why it was so hard for people to accept that like boxing is a very complicated, simple sport. You are throwing your left hand and your right hand to a certain section of a human being's body under a certain rule set. And that's kind of where it ends. And I feel like, and you're a much better boxing historian than I am, but I feel like that what we were watching back in the day, and I'll even go shorter, what we were watching, uh, let's say Julio Cesar Chavez, Meldrick Taylor, right. is not that much Different from what we're watching today and that is not a slight to boxing it's merely just what boxing is and i think it was very crazy to hear all these people try to wax poetic and do these sort of ted talks and inspirational speeches almost using connor as that the the uh rise and grind type thing that people use (laughs) in the morning to make themselves feel better as if like you need to see it to believe it and connor believes it so much well okay he your belief is great and it gets you to a point and it got connor to a point where he fought someone better which is fine right right you you can't Uh, will yourself to beat someone who is that much better than you and so,
0: you know, whatever, you know, Robin Black can, can have his opinion and say what he wants and ultimately be wrong. Um, that, that's how the business works. But, uh, the reason I say that we're in a blood feud is because I don't, I don't think I've even told you this, but so, uh, after the fight was done, uh, I had a little bit of fun, um, using some of Mr. Black's, uh, language. And, and I said, uh, you know, what we just saw that, that I said, that was a disruption or was it? Did we just see a taxi run over an Uber <laughs> um, question mark? And, and <laughs> so like a, a couple of minutes later uh, I hear from behind me, Floyd is in the ring um, doing his post fight interview. And I hear someone say Snowden, Snowden, Snowden. And, and I turn around and, and it's Robin Black and uh, he shoots me the bird <laughs> and makes, like, makes this really funny face, like kind of like a Dennis the Menace face, like just like scrunches up his face while he's shooting the bird. And then the only description of what he did next was he turned around and he scampered back up the steps to the, the top of the arena.
1: So, and, uh, so he disrupted your viewing of Floyd's <laughs> post-fight speech. He did' and also like because
0: I was laughing for probably thirty seconds afterwards,
1: <laughs> Listen, and uh, the only uh, thing that this disrupted was people's bank accounts of a hundred and ten dollars that's it,
0: totally as it and and they probably aren't even mad about it because it was well worth it and
1: to um, not be able to say, "Yeah, I was wrong, and instead say things like i he said today that there was a thousand things that Connor did. I don't even know if there was a thousand anythings in that fight. A thousand things Conor did to prove the disruption theory. And then also I believe he told Patrick Wyman that he should actually fight. Like get an actual <laughs> fight and then you can talk to me, which I find hilarious because I've been in this sport for a very, very stupidly long time. And I've seen people who have fought that still can't throw a jab, still don't know footwork. And the idea that if you get in there, and the cage door shuts behind you. All the mysteries of the fighting universe are then handed to you. It's the biggest load. Children, I know a lot of kids listen. Cover yours. It's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life.
0: <laughs> if it reveals all the secrets, um, wouldn't Robin Black have a, a winning professional fight record against low-level Canadian indie competition? Listen, Josh, I'm just saying. you up a can I'm, of
1: worms. You've never fought, so you can't say that. I'm just
0: saying. You've never I'm just, just fought. saying. I'm undefeated. I'm currently undefeated. So we'll we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Um, let's, let's move you've on. We've just disrupted
1: this... our podcast.
0: I totally did. I, I totally wasted a bunch the, of time know what on fun, somebody. The, who... the
1: thing is, too, real quick. We're having fun with this. Like this is just fun. Like, totally. We, and if someone I'm was not doing. Angry. Not that we're important enough, but if someone was doing this to us on another podcast, I'd laugh and go, "Oh, that's funny. Like that's cool. Yeah, I can. Really I don't funny. take myself that seriously." If he would have come down and wanted to shake my hand and talk about it, like,
0: I have no bad feelings If he feelings would have flipped you of off,
1: it. made the scrunch face, and then started laughing, you would have been like, oh, okay, that's funny.
0: Yeah, I'd have been like, oh, that's a pretty cool guy. Um, and, and if he would have just said after this was all done, been like, hey, man, I was wrong. He uh, would look so much better than what he's doing now. But ultimately, that's on him. Ultimately, that's you on don't That's the nation get it, John. of Canada.
1: You didn't see what was there to be seen. You saw the top layer, John. You saw the surface. True. You saw the surface learned, of boxing. i, you I learned think, nothing. You probably think boxing is about punching, don't you, John? <laughs> I've learned you nothing. You probably man. think it's about men putting gloves on their hands and getting into a ring and fighting for 12 three minute rounds. <laughs> That's what you think <laughs> boxing is? Like a
0: fool. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um,
1: my Thank man, you, Dave uh, from
0: CompuBox. Yeah, Uh, my man Villa Lobos, uh, who is an amazing uh, comic book uh, artist, Uh, we've got like an all-star panel of questioners so far. Um, He says, this is only semi-related, but did you see this dork Brendan Schaub almost get his ass beat over there? And then what followed that tweet was the little video of uh, Brendan Schaub almost getting his ass beat by Nate Diaz. As the two tried to discuss the McGregor Mayweather fight, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this.
1: I did see it. I did. I also listened to parts of the the Rogan uh, podcast because I just wanted to soak up all the Mayweather McGregor nonsense as I could. Uh, Brendan was on there. I feel. Oh, wait, did did Brendan did Brendan break it down and uh, tell his version? Yeah, he just mentioned that like he he was talking to Nate about it, and then like there's a part of the video where it says like it said Brendan told. Nate, like, oh, but Connor put it on you, and Brendan's like, I never said that. I would never say that to someone. And I really, knowing Brendan, he's a very nice guy. I don't think he would have said that to Nate. And I, I believe him in that part. I think it was just a guy like Brendan running into a guy like Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz is going to tell you what he thinks. He's going to tell you why you're. I feel like we're in this kind of era where where people don't one don't want to hear the wrong. And two are afraid to tell people like the actual hard truth. Whereas the Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz don't subscribe to that in any way, shape, or form. And they'll go, "You were wrong." (laughs) No, but you know, no, you were wrong. Yeah, but I was no, you were wrong. There you go. And I feel like that with these kind of two uh, different bodies kind of intersected at just like the most perfect moment after the fight. I I I think it was a great moment. I thought it was funny. I don't think either guy necessarily came off in a in a bad light. And I think people are trying to make too much of it. But uh, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Floyd Mayweather, you don't want to fight Nate Diaz, just because the universe has told you, don't fuck with the (laughs) Diaz's. I mean, it's really what we uh, love about
0: the Diaz brothers, those of us who I guess who do, which is all right-thinking people, is that that 155-pound Nate Diaz um, totally believes in his mind that he's going to beat up 250-pound Professional MMA fighter Brendan Schaub, like, there's no question that he he thinks that, like, he that he would not have hesitated
1: for a moment. No, that that's what you have to appreciate, is that totally. Th- there was not one second where, if you saw Brendan do that to another 155, or you'd be like, oh man, yeah, Brendan's gonna <laughs> smash this dude, or look, you can see the fear in his eyes. Nate, on the other hand, is going, I hope you throw a punch. Please throw a punch because as we learned with the Diaz brothers there there is a uh, there is a belief system in their fighting they're not fighting you to fight they don't go out looking for fights they don't even want to fight however if you want to fight them now you have a problem totally so yes we
0: did see that we did enjoy it and and thanks for showing it to me again uh it was awesome. So Dom asked, and this is a question that you addressed briefly on Twitter, but I was going to get your further thoughts. Um, he wants to know, what time did people really start filling the arena? And it blows his mind that people would spend upwards of you know tens of thousands of dollars on fight tickets and, and only show up for
1: the last 30 minutes. This was a perfect storm, Jonathan. A perfect <laughs> storm because one, as you know, boxing fans they don't show up until pretty much the main event starts. You, you right. there's been many times where I have been there for pre I get there for the first fight. Maybe I want to like test out the lights, get, you know, shoot just to get warm and you're shooting in silence. You can hear my camera because there's, and John, tell me if I'm wrong. There might be seven people in the entire arena.
0: <laughs> I mean, we were watching some of the fights that were televised televised on, on Fox. And so, you know, to make it even worse, the for a boxing card, this was a fairly robust. There were there were pretty good fighters um, hours before the the Conor McGregor fight because it was broadcast on Fox Television, and so uh, we're watching like really good boxers in the ring, and, and I'm looking around, and if you include like the upper deck, there's probably less than two hundred people there, uh, legitimately yeah. watching fights that are on national television, and um, I don't, I mean. I don't know what to say. Well, like if so, you if had there hadn't been the delay, some of these people would have been late for the fight, or maybe they were just maybe they were following it closely. I don't know, but they were cutting it pretty close. Like I would say, it didn't fill in until
1: national anthem. Just,
0: yeah, right before, right when they started singing. Like the last uh, the the co-main event, the Gervonta Davis fight. That they weren't there weren't people there for that. They came in
1: at the very last second. So you had the combination of boxing people and then people who were MMA fans. Who don't care about boxing and only cared about Connor, Going, I'm not showing up. I'm. What do I want to see people box for? I'm gonna go get drunk. I'm gonna go stand <laughs> around. I'm like, what do I want to see this? Gervant? Gr- gr- who? Never heard of it. And so <laughs> but that's they missed some saw. some good ones though. Well, I was more surprised at, at what we saw from uh, Javonta Davis in regards to. Just the the disrespect I felt that he i mean I know he kind of has a little bit of an attitude, but the disrespect that he showed his opponent even after he was the one who missed weight and kind of mocking how he you know went down um and I know that like there's been talk about how like that's supposed to be like Floyd's guy, and this is like uh you know they the their next money fighter uh but but it's gonna be hard to sell him simply one missing weight and two. I feel like the villain is a tough sell. You could be a cocky guy, but a villain that people genuinely just don't really like is a tough sell.
0: I, I think he 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 had a, a hard time because you know he had been sick all week. Then he, he missed weight, and then I I really think having talked to him just briefly, like um, based on you know every question. Uh, just kind of, it would, this was supposed to be a big stage setter for him. Like so many people were going to be watching on pay per view, and this was his opportunity to to launch himself um, in, into the uh, the next level, right? So like he's a guy that, that boxing hardcore fans have already tapped as being a, a future elite fighter, and so this was the opportunity for him to show that to to the regular people who don't necessarily watch. Uh, that much boxing. This was a big chance for him, and so I think that that's why you saw some of the taunting and and you saw like just kind of like uh, the desperation to to get this knockout. Like he he felt it. He felt it really strongly that he needed to do something to get attention, and so. Um, it it was you know and once you start getting that feeling like you know it, it just gets harder right because they you know they say the more you try for a knockout the less likely it is to come and so you know it, it was kind of an easy fight for him but kind of like a hard night.
1: Now uh, uh, I can't say that I've really ever listened to his interviews or seen him. Is he? Is he a, a, a Broner type where you almost laugh at what he says and you, you're exci- – or is it sort of like that I'm too good to talk to the media type? So I'm, I'm trying to get a gauge. I don't know how he is, so I'm not putting him in either um, corner. So my I, – I think I've interviewed him twice, and, and I don't think he's either of those
0: things. Like my description, if, like, if I was just to, to try to describe what he's like is um, he's kind of like awkward and shy. Hmm. Um, you know, so he's like a He's not necessarily comfortable giving interviews or, um, he's, he's a young, so he's not uh, like at that part of his, the stage of his career yet where he has like a a carefully cultivated personality or image or any of that kind of stuff. Like he's just trying to get through these things. And so, um, it's a work in progress. You know, I, I, I I don't think this is like a fight that's going to end up defining, uh, you know how we think about him. It just wasn't the one that that's gonna push him in, into the next level. Right. It, so that's it, uh, it.
1: Didn't necessarily hurt him. It just wasn't the liftoff that we thought it was gonna be. Like no one's gonna yeah, look totally. back and go, "Well, this ruined his moment." It just wasn't what we were. It just wasn't gonna be the breakout performance. Right. I mean, he'll be back on on Showtime or, or a
0: PVC card or something, and the boxing fans will have him back in, in their. Their embrace again, and and he'll have to make his his uh his grand entrance into the mainstream world another time. So um, I I think that's all. A Twitter user by the name of I seen that wants to know how were your seats? Did it seem like it was an early stoppage from the stands? And I, so I'll let you go first.
1: Uh, my seat was great. I uh, I was shooting over the rope, so I had a perfect. I was right dead center. And I was right, a viewpoint right over the ropes. Like, I could see everything. Uh, from my vantage point, it didn't feel like an early stoppage. It felt like we had seen enough. There was really nothing left to prove. Um, Connor didn't seem to contest it in the slightest. I know afterwards he said, you know, let me go out on my back. Let me get knocked down. But at the time, I feel like you, you saw Connor go kind of that frustrated, like, yeah, I was done. You got me. And and I, I was completely fine with it. I don't think it... I feel like ending it the way it did without having to see Connor get knocked down was like the most perfect ending that you could have for for Team Connor besides a decision. Uh, so for the the print
0: media and the, the internet journalists the, the seating was kind of like the the big topic because you know you get your email that says that you're credential for the event but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a seat a seat uh, near the ring in the arena, some people have to watch the fight back in a tent, um, you know, a mile away across from from the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas. Some people watch it from way up high on a in a skybox, um, but I, I was lucky enough to have a seat down down below. At, Further complicating things, this is the first fight in recent memory, I think, in which the the boxing media was not on the floor. So normally there's like the there's the announced team, there there are all the people from the commission and, and and folks like that, and then right behind them are like the the alternate announced teams in various languages and for other networks and, and and some people from CompuBox and folks like that. Dan, uh, those was are the it very. Dan? Dan was actually sitting next to me, so that's how it normally works. So those are the first two or three rows, and then right after that, on the floor is where the media seating begins. And usually, it's Dan Raphael from ESPN and Kevin Ioli from Yahoo, or kind of like the Dons of the of the uh, boxing media, and they're up in the in the front seats, and everybody else kind of fills in behind them. But anyway, for the first time in a long time, the the seats weren't actually on the floor. The seats for the media were uh, just right past where the floor seats end and and as the the seating goes up a little bit uh so you're you're probably like um 10 rows back from the ring and so a lot of people were upset with that but i actually found that the seat in the view was much better than it typically is because when you're like in the sixth or seventh seat on the floor um uh, you don't see that much. It's really hard to see into the ring because it's up above you. You see a lot of the middle rope. You see dudes in front of you. You see uh, camera people and stuff like that. And so um, this actually, to me, for the pure purposes of watching a boxing match and not being seen on TV or, or whatever, you know, whatever kind of ego thing makes people want to be up real close, um, for watching the match, um, this was great. I loved it. I, I had I had a blast. It was a great seat. I could see everything i was right in the middle uh, of the ring which is where you want to be you know so uh yeah I, but I there's no
1: a, there's a chance that no one saw you on television so <laughs>
0: it's true how often nobody saw me nobody saw me i even wore my blue shirt or whatever um didn't happen but uh th- that was okay because i could see what was happening in the in the ring and that's why i was there um it, the thing about the stoppage was interesting because um in the arena at the time, I thought it was a it was perfectly executed stoppage because you know you could see that that Connor was getting hit clean. You could see, I think, a little bit more clearly um, when you were there live just how little of his faculties he had left. Like you know how he was barely hanging on, and like when he was grabbing Floyd, like he was barely that was the only thing keeping yeah. him up. No, totally that, that and the ropes. But and so like but I felt TV, good about it, but then. Yeah, in TV it looked like a bad stoppage. Right. so it was it was weird.
1: I feel like I feel like some of the angles that the camera had were just a little odd. There was a couple times where they kept this hard camera, like at the, from the top, and like the ref was right in the middle of the action, and they never switched. So there was a lot of times where you missed action, and there was a lot of times where I'd, I'd see like Floyd's back or Connor's back, so I couldn't really see everything. So I was a little surprised at that. But yeah, just like you said, watching it on TV, and you know, I knew the ending. And I still went, oh, yeah, I guess that did look – because in person, it was Connor needs to be saved here. And then on TV, right. it was like, oh, man, give him a chance. I mean, so there was no question, I think, in
0: person that, um, that if they had not stopped the fight, he was about to get hit with a haymaker uh, of the sort that – that causes serious physical damage, I think. Even though Floyd's a light puncher, he was totally in no position to defend himself anymore, and it was about to be really ugly. And so um, I think it was wildly, widely agreed, I think, that it was a good stoppage um, by people who were watching on press row in the arena. Although, like, you know, some people recognize right away that what would have, what has happened would happen, which is that, you know, not letting him get knocked all the way unconscious was going to allow, what would allow people to say, Oh bro, he would have come back in the 12th round. Let me tell you, like, uh, you know, it, it did leave that door open, which is kind of annoying, but I, I thought it was a good stoppage. And I think on TV, you like that. You're right that the camera angles were such that you couldn't see just like how desperately he was hanging on and and how close he was to falling over at like any second and i think you missed a couple of the punches even that that mayweather landed um, that landed pretty hard like that that happened when they were doing some switches camera switches or something i'm not sure but it it definitely felt more definitive in the arena so um, I'm comfortable with the stoppage, but I could see watching it later why some folks might have thought it it came too soon. So, yeah, I, I, I can see both sides on that one.
1: And I think this kind of goes into play as to why a lot of people will be watching a fight on television and say, oh, I think this guy won. And they're like, he didn't. I was there. <laughs> like you could tell. That there, and that, that's right. why they sometimes yell at these judges like, what fight are you watching? And the judges are like, I'm watching the fight you're at home you might be checking your phone you might have a weird camera angle you might be hearing a commentator in one ear telling you that the other thing is happening when it's really not and so i always laugh when people start freaking out like how could the judges see it 29 28 when it was 28 29 it's like it's completely different when you're there yeah you
0: you have sometimes you can see the action better
1: on television
0: um Based on it with certain camera angles especially the you know cuz each of the judges is in a different place so there's uh, you know for everything that's happening uh, one of the judges is probably in a position where they're looking at it from a bad angle that's just Absolutely. A, a fact they could they can look, see a, a monitor i believe but um you know they're not looking at it perfectly, but one of the things that you can tell a lot better when you're live, uh, especially when you're you're fairly close, is you can really tell a lot better how much a punch affects somebody and how hard it is. A hundred percent. That's something. Hundred that, that when you're when you're in the arena, you just know it. When it when it's landed hard and on TV, it's not always clear the difference between a a hard punch and a medium punch or even a punch that barely connects or a punch that hit the shoulder uh, for the most part and maybe rolled up and and then hit the head like it's a it's it's much harder to gauge. there's a there's a there's a
1: weird feeling like you've you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're watching a fight in boxing or MMA, where it's like a couple rounds in, then you go, oh, this fight's over. Like you just know, like you can feel it in the building. You can feel it just by the way things are going. And I feel like there's little intricacies that you just don't catch on television where you could see it and you go, that guy's done. That's it. It's going to end in two more rounds.
0: You can just kind of feel the air change. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and you can see the, the changes in the person's confidence in body language. That's one of the big things I think in person that you notice is like uh, with someone like Connor in that, in the ninth and 10th round, you could just see that, uh, you know, he knew, you know, that it was it was headed towards the end. Everybody did, so um, I, I'm okay with it.
1: Uh, let's do one more. You want to do one more? One more. Always do one more. Final
0: question is always about pro wrestling. Okay, um, I wouldn't want that. She's a nice lady. Thank you, dude. Man, question mark is his name. Oh, I thought that he was the question. Know, he he wants to know could the rainmaker the lariat used by new japan pro wrestling champion okada could it be effective in the octagon why why for the love of god are more uh, why aren't more ufc fighters using these pro wrestling moves what is happening there's a cage right there why aren't they banging anybody's head into it nobody's gushing blood out of their forehead uh nobody has leapt off the cage in years um and
1: nobody's using this lariat. What's going on? I feel like that's what Connor was setting up against Floyd. You know, with oh, that footwork and how he was behind him, he kind of had it. Oh, he was. He was kind of trying to set it up. And then the ref didn't give him enough time. And so I feel like Connor realized that, you know, he was maybe, okay, holy crap, we're tying this full circle. Here it is. Connor, because Connor does study, and as do his coaches. It's- They realized that MMA was fully evolved and done. So they went over to boxing to disrupt it, but they weren't going to disrupt it using MMA because MMA was done and completed and everyone's seen it. Instead, they were going to disrupt it using the fine art of professional wrestling.
0: My God, it was a double disruption. it's, boxing it's like the Jack
1: Dempsey double shift. And boxing was so unprepared for the disruption. The didn't rule even set, how, that it was happening. Exactly. The rule set didn't allow for it. So in actuality, boxing disrupted its own growth.
0: Oh, man. Thank you. Just think about it. Just think about
1: Rise it. Rise and like grind, how- people. See it past this. You're looking at Earth as this beautiful globe, but I see it as a flat piece of, of metal, but you're only looking at one side. Flip it over, and there you have Okada.
0: Thank you. We have we have learned nothing, and uh, I think we have learned that the next match, when Floyd Mayweather spends all of his money and needs another mega match, obviously the match to make is Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Okada for the IWGP Championship in the Tokyo Dome, live on pay-per-view, in the year 2020. I'm predicting it right now. That's going to happen, and the
1: lineal brawl for all championship,
0: of course. And uh, thank you for those of you that are still here listening to this. We 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 uh, we, we appreciate your patience and and beg uh, your further indulgence as we continue with this podcast. Probably at some time in the week. But that's part of the days. joy. We and don't
1: force feed it down your throat every week.
0: We don't. It's only if we don't care enough to do it. There's no way that you're going to care exactly. enough to listen to it. You're welcome. And really, by the, I mean me. Really, <laughs> I'm the lazy one.
1: But still, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. Disruption.